Welcome to Living the Dream Acting the Podcast. A podcast for actors, by actors, about acting. And here's the host, Christina Kipper Halstead. Hi, I'm Christina, and on this podcast, I track down interviews with actors, writers, directors, and everyone involved in the performing arts from stage to screen, including artists like myself who live outside of New York and L.A., where the rules of the business can sometimes be a little different. I cover getting started, not giving up, and inspiration for actors everywhere who are trying to live their artistic dreams. Please join our community by liking us on Facebook, by leaving a comment on my website, livingthedreamacting.com, and by following me on Twitter at Artist Dreams. That's at Artist underscore Dreams. On today's episode, we head to Hollywood to talk with actress and director Keisha Sharp. Please stick around for that while we do a little catching up. So catch up this week looks like most recently I was in a play reading for Little Black Dress Inc. And uh, it's actually a play called Here There Be Curves by Amber Bosworth, who can now um, celebrate not only having her play chosen and read, but she won uh, as a finalist in this year's competition. So congratulations, Amber. And it's been an honor to read your words. A very fun, funny little piece, uh, two, two hander, um, myself and, uh, another actor, Jeff Masters. And, uh, glad we could be a part of your journey. So thank you so much. Um, so that's been going on and, trying to balance uh, the end of the school year for my son and moving into the summer and what that looks like, kind of having more free time as a mom and trying to figure out um, the best way to utilize that time while I am missing him. Yeah, as far as me performing goes, I am working on this one-woman show and I'm starting to feel like I'm talking about working on it much more than I'm actually working on it. So that's needs to be the focus of the summer. And, uh, oh yeah. And I also did, um, 24 hour theater, which was fabulous. Maybe we'll talk about that in the next episode. So anyway, um, want to give a shout out to Amber and, uh, again, congratulations to you and uh her piece will be being read in LA and uh and some other uh some other great stuff coming out of that and again any single moms out there who are listening let me know how you get through those times when your kids aren't with you and and how you keep the inspiration going and the fires burning especially when uh maybe you can't do as much of the heart work that we'd like to do um working the day job, but still dreaming about the other stuff. So anyway, that's about it for this catch-up session. Uh, can't wait to bring you the first part of my interview with television star Keisha Sharp. And here we go. When was the first point you got bitten by that, that performance bug? When did that first happen to you? 
Well, you know, the first time it happened to me was in first grade, and I was obsessed with Annie. And mm. I wanted to stand up in front of the class and sing tomorrow. <laughs> and I, I, sure, I remember this, and I don't remember a lot of things. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and I wanted to get in front of the class and sing tomorrow. And I, and the the response I remember was that I, I sounded too mature to be Annie, which oh. was crazy. That's what the kids said. Oh, you sound old at the time. You oh. know, we in first, second grade. Uh, nice. <laughs> yes, that happened to me. But that's when it began. You know, I started yeah. um, music. It began with music first. Yeah, yeah. And then you, I mean, ob- uh, people don't know this, so they will now, but obviously we knew each other in high school. So yes. I know that you know, and musicals were a really big deal at our school, at our yeah. our, our all-girls Catholic school. Um, and uh, and I know you you started out that way, sort of performing um, in those shows. Did you absolutely? Yeah, and did, and you and you had some really significant leads, especially you know at the end in your senior year and, and such. And did you feel like did you know? When what was the point at which you thought I want to do this in the future? Yeah, like like this because I was just talking to somebody the the other day and I was saying you know when I was a senior when I was getting ready to go to college and and figure out what I wanted to do, I was like oh that's a job, <laughs> like you. Can, like, I was like I knew I didn't I you know I didn't do Broadway shows I didn't know anything about that stuff and. And it was just being in high school and being around um, the other, you know, performers. And then some people were going off to college to study theater. And I was like, oh, you can do that? Like, it just didn't occur. Yes. It didn't occur to me. You know what I mean? So, but at what point did it occur to you and you just knew that's what you wanted to do? Hmm. You know, I was, okay, so I was also upset with Barbara Streisand growing up. And so, you know, I mean, I'm telling you, I would right. it in those days. You know, I had my little tape recorder, and I would push record and hold it up to the television to get all her songs off of there, and then go in my room and sing them. Um, awesome. So I knew you could make a living doing doing performing. I knew that. And, you know, my mom wasn't um, supportive of it, to be honest. She was like, okay, if you go there, you still need to go to law school. So, oh, <laughs> um, you know, she, her feeling was you can't really make it. It's too difficult. It, it's a... It's a um, a choice of of working or not working, and most of the times you're not working, so that's probably not a smart thing to to do. But in my mind, I just didn't think of it that way. I knew by, I guess it was by junior year in high school, I think that's when we did Hello Dolly and I was playing Dolly. I think I knew then that, oh, this is what I want to do. I want to be on Broadway, I want to sing. That was my... That's all I wanted to do. I knew that's what I wanted to do. So I knew the colleges I, were, I was looking at, and they had to be really strong in theater. And so Boston Conservatory and Tisch were the two schools, the only two schools I applied for because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Um, I just knew it was in my bones. That's I, I didn't want to do anything else. And I always thought, well, I, I can play a lawyer. And so <laughs> I can play a character that's a lawyer. That would work, you know, so... Um, my mom still had that in her mind. Even after I graduated from college, she still had in her mind, when are you going to go to law school? And eventually she got over that, but she was still 
you know, holding on to me doing something that was more stable. Right. Um, but I didn't care. I just felt like, I didn't care if I had to struggle. I just didn't even think of it that way. This was, I just knew this is what I was meant to do. And I was okay with the struggle of it. I just was. Um, yeah. And so you, you went to Boston Conservatory and then did you, when did you decide to move out to LA? Did, how much, how long did you spend on the East Coast? And then when did you decide to move out to LA? Well, okay, so I was, you know, of course, after school, um, went to New York, auditioning constantly, working a lot, um, doing theater. And then I started a musical theater. And then I started doing some little bit parts and um, soap and started doing some television and then I did a film and I started to realize that um, I really wanted to act. Like I, I loved musical theater and I loved theater, but I, I wanted to do television and film. And so um, I did this off-Broadway, two off-Broadway plays like this, right after each other. And then the second off-Broadway play was right after the was in the middle of September 11th when September 11th happened. Mm. And we, my husband was doing, uh, what was he doing at the time? Civil War, the tour of Civil War. And then he, he got the, the tour of um, Full Monty, the Broadway tour. And it started in Los Angeles for maybe three months. And we were like, let's just move. You know, let's, let's just give it a try. And so it was the, what was that, 2000, I'm bad with the year. So right after September 11th, one, so that's January is when we moved to Los Angeles, and we just decided, let's just do it. You're going to be there anyway. Let's just give it a try. And that's literally how it happened. Um, and, and within six months, six months or less, maybe four months of being in Los Angeles when I got my first uh, girlfriend, uh, which ended up being a really great um a really great uh, project for me. Yeah, you were. That was like, six years. You were mm-hmm. on that. That was six years. Right. Yeah, yeah, that was great. And and, yeah. and great opportunities to feature your comedy um, side on that show. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because it was actually supposed to just be one or two episodes, and that's what I always tell actors too. When you're going in for a guest star, or you know, um, a date. I guess that's what I would call it, yeah. A guest star that never look at your role like a guest star. Never look at it in terms of this one episode. Look at it in terms of your character's life. You, and that, that it's beyond this one episode. That you don't go on with this notion of, well, this is it. I didn't think that when I, when I got the show. I was thinking this is the beginning. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I think that plays into, um, even how you approach your character, that she has a whole life, that it's not just this little bit that they're giving you. Um, <clears throat> there's more to her. And and in some way, when you do that, the creators, the producers, want to see more of this person. They want to see more of this character. And then all of a sudden, you're a series regular when you were just supposed to be two episodes. Right. Um, yeah. So now you're never a guest star. You're just, you're always a series regular. Whether or not they write that down, in your mind, you should have that in your mind, you know. I love that because that should be the way we're walking through life, going to the grocery store. You know, I'm the star of this moment. And the- <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> You're just right. 
You are the lead. That's in right. Your life, yeah. Period. Because I know okay? I I don't know about you, but I've had days where I felt like I was the supporting character in my own life. So and I'd be like, No, yes. I am the lead. Maybe nothing seems like That's it right. happening, but still, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Absolutely. And then that that feeds because you know we're God made us, and we're we're He made it. You can you can um what's the word I'm looking for? I always lose the words, but. We are energy. He made us, you know, so we, when mm-hmm. we're feeding off, that's why we're supposed to be very positive. We're supposed to be thinking things positively because that feeds. People can feel that. We're supposed to be alive. People can see that. Yeah. So even even when you're walking through life, whether it's to the grocery store, you're going in for an audition, you have to believe that you're this person. You have to believe that you belong there. You have to believe that you're going on for a guest star. That, no, no, you're not. You're the lead in your own life. So just because they're picking this one part out, this few lines out for you for this, you know, quote unquote guest star, but in your life, you're the, you're, you're the, you're the series regular, you're the lead. And they feed off of that. Yeah. They, they can read that, you know, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the, you know, a lot of times we're, we're stuck in that trap of going in with sort of a sense of desperation or, or a lot of people can, and they can read that too and feel that too. Like, absolutely, I'm, you know, whether it's desperate for money or desperate because it's just been so long since you've worked or desperate to go absolutely. to that next level or whatever, but that, yeah, that doesn't serve us at all either. Yeah, for sure. No, not at all. Yeah. And because, you know, I'm also a director in the um, director's guild. So yes. when I'm on the other side of the table, I can tell you being on the other side of the table that you can read that. It, you may not know it as an actor, but when you're coming into audition, I can see whether or not, you, if you're making me comfortable, that's a great sign, right? right? But if you're making me feel a certain way, like bad for you, or, oh, you know, they're so nervous, you have to get a control of that mm. because... We're reading it on the other side of the table, and, and I have to trust that if I give you this role, that you're going to be able to do it. Right. I have to feel confident in you. You might be the best actor in the world, but if you come in nervous, I'm not going to see that. All I'm going to remember is that person was really nervous, and they have potential, but they were so nervous. Yeah. You know? And what are they going to be like on the first day of set, and are they going to feel like Absolutely. they can handle themselves Absolutely. across somebody that they perceive is more experienced than them or, you know, has more clout? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to consider. Yeah, someone, yeah. At, the, at the end of the day, people are looking at, can I afford this person? Meaning, you know, it costs money to do these whether it's a film, a short film, a feature film, or television. And if I can't trust that you're going to be able to come to set and be ready and relax, I'm going to lose money or I'm going to lose my job as a director because I hired or I recommended someone that wasn't ready or whatever, you know. Right, exactly. Um, so, yeah. Now, do, do you feel like, have you always been um, that intentional with the thinking positively, you know, um, focusing on the positives, uh, you know, for even for yourself as a performer and, and even in directing and writing, or did that take you some time to kind of, to figure that out and learn that piece for yourself? I think there's, that's a two part question. So as an actor, I think I have, I think I've been pretty good in terms of being positive and just knowing, I guess knowing, you had to be, otherwise you would you would crumble. And what I mean by that is, you're you're not going to get everything you audition for. You can be so great in the room, and it just doesn't matter. It, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you. It, what matters to them on the other side of the table is 
if you're the right fit for the role, if you're the right name, if you have the right following, you know, there's so much right. that goes into a person getting the part. Yeah. Yeah. Even so just look, even just I, looks, even uh-huh. just, even just looks, you know, which you can't control the way you yeah. look. Yeah. No, you can't control the way you look. Not at the, first of all, that you have to put that, your physical traits, you have to put out the door because you can't change the color of your skin, the height. Yes, people can change their face. People have, but, right. <laughs> you know, but yeah. <laughs> I, I would say you can't change that, but people do change that. But, um, but you are what you are. So all you have control over is the work you do in the room. Mm. And I learned that long, I learned that in college. Like, I learned that a long time ago that if I go in and do the best that I can do, that's all that matters. I walk out of the room, I'm leaving it. I literally leave it. There's some roles that I really wanted, and and I, you know, there's very few th- auditions that I've gone in that I thought I didn't do a great job because that's my job. That is my job. My job is to do my homework, learn my lines. I have to learn my lines for me. Learn my lines, do my homework on the character. So when I go in, there's no question of whether or not I'm a good actress, right? I'm do- I'm, I'm great at what I do. Yeah. When I walk out of the room, I don't get it. I know it has nothing to do with my work. It has something to do with something I have no control over, and I'm okay with that, right? Yeah. So I, I don't. That part of it is very easy for me because there's nothing I can do about it. I can't go home and smoke and be like, "Oh, it was so good," and they didn't call. No, I might have been great in the audition, but I wasn't right for it. It was somebody else's blessing. It's not mine this time. Mm-hmm. So that part for me is easy. Now the other side of it, I have to say, like. Uh, with singing for me has become a real chore in terms of um, I, I just got really insecure about it when I um, got out of college and that I was never going to be as good as everybody was talking about I, that I was and and I started to to get a phobia to be honest but honest about it a, a, a performing phobia for singing and so that's something I'm still to this day working on and trying to um, uh, conquer um, in my life is whatever happened to me in that mindset that I I created for myself. I'm having a hard time breaking. I'm doing it slowly, but I I do have issues with that, and something I'm still working on to this day. You know, I don't know what I don't know what that's about, and maybe that's something we'll talk about sometime, not on the air, but because I had um, a similar experience. <laughs> So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that's about, but there's something about um, some. I don't know. There's something about singing that uh, um, can be a challenge, even if it's something you did all your life since you were little, and then all of a sudden, I don't. I don't know what it is, but I, for some people, obviously I, I not for everybody. But yeah, I, I'm a, a few years ago, I watched this interview, and it made me feel better, like about my situation with in terms of singing. Uh, Shania Twain was talking about she stopped performing because she all of a sudden developed what I'm talking about where she was crippled about singing. It was almost, and if she would try, she was so crippled by it that it it would, the outsider would have been like, who is this person? She can't sing. Mm. That for me, the same thing happened for me where I became so crippled by fear of whatever that is that I even, if, if I were asked to sing in front of someone, you would think I've never sang in my life that I was, like I had never sang because um, yeah. it was not good. Because <laughs> yeah. um, you know you can't sing if you're not confident. Like your voice is. Yeah, and I know, just want to. I just want to tell everyone since I know you can sing and I've heard you <laughs> sing. She is a good singer. It's coming back slowly in terms of confidence. Like you know, I can do it at home, totally fine. So that's that's a plus. And now just 
getting back in front of people um, is my new yeah um, thing. My Challenge. new thing that I'm going to. I'm okay. going to not try it. I'm going to conquer awesome. it again. So that's yeah. right. Awesome. Love it. So, you know, and I, I want to say, too, when you were saying about the only thing you can tr- can control is the work you do in the room, um, I just want to add to that because it sounds to me that you you also have further control that you've really accessed, which is that idea of, like, being intentional, staying positive, having a spiritual life that um, I think all those things are the other things we can do that we have control absolutely. over, you know, that put us in the yes, right mindset you, and yeah. And yes, absolutely. Because having for me, having God and my, and you know, I'm a Christian. So having that part of my life, um, I, I, it's hard to say that part, that part of my life, you know, clear, which it is. Yeah. Um, but you know, we go through ups and downs where sometimes we have faith in ourselves and then sometimes we don't, we need to, and then we need to pray about it. And you know, we go through, I go through ups and downs with that. I'm not always like, Oh, I just know, you know, yeah. I, I go through, I'm human, you mean, so, you mean I'm you're like, human Keisha? <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, I good. Absolutely am. Yeah. <laughs> but, but because, because I do have God in my spiritual life that I, when I have those times where I'm feeling um, down or feeling less than for whatever reason, and, and not always just having to do with a career, but just for whatever reason, I go to him and I know that he's going to be there and going to um, answer my prayers. I just have to have faith in that. So that part of, just like you said, that, that part I have control over. I have control over myself praying to God. I have control yeah. of telling him what I need and, and what I want. And... And that, yes, that contributes to the room when I go into the room because, you know, I go in, before I go in, I pray and I say, if it's meant to be, it is. So that also helps me when it's not meant to be because I'm like, oh, I prayed about it. It's not meant to be because God made it clear. Right. (laughs) You know, I'm, I'm, I'm secure in that choice because I prayed about it and he said, no, this is not the one. This is for someone else. This is a blessing for my, the other person. It's not just me because sometimes we can get caught up in, um, I don't I want to say selfish because that's not the word, but I mean, even self-absorbed is not the word. But what I mean is we are we're in our own bubble, so we forget that, you know, there's thousands of other people praying that want the same job. And so somebody else is somebody else's job. It's not mine when I don't get it. Right. But when I do get it, it's mine. And so that somebody else will look and say, oh, that's hers. So this other job may be mine. But when I'm secure in my faith and uh, my my praying to God and when I don't get something, it really is okay. And sometimes I'm disappointed. I, I have to say there's some things that I really want and I just think it would be a great project and it's written really well and has great people attached to it and you know it's going to be a great project. And you don't get it, you're disappointed. But you're like, eh, well, it wasn't meant to be. But I'm still disappointed now. Right. <laughs> um, right. So, you know, there's times where that happens as well, but that really helps me when I'm walking into a room, just I said my prayer, I did my work, I'll come in here, I'm going to do it, and I'm going to walk out. There's been some times, not a lot, I have to admit, but there's been a few times where I didn't do a good job. There's, because I wasn't prepared or I got in the way or, you know, one of those, I was so nervous because I was so wanted this job and I, you know, the stakes were so high 
that I felt like I didn't do as well as I could have. And those are the worst. So I don't have a lot of them because I hate that feeling. I hate the feeling of I didn't do as well as I could have, so that could be a reason why I didn't get it. And that falls on me. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Yeah, I do. Um, yeah, and that I hate that feeling. So I never want to feel that way. So I want to be always prepared yeah. and always centered. Yes. So I don't have to walk out saying, I wish I could have done something differently. And then it always goes back to the prayer, because even if you don't do the best job, it's as messy as it's going to be. I've had, you know what I'm saying? Yes. Then I have to go back to that. So, yeah. Awesome. Um, speaking of going back, I just want to go back a little bit to this time when you were in Boston and you first went off to the conservatory. Um, do you yeah. Do you feel like um, that was still worth it like looking back I mean I know we don't want to change the past and all that but do you feel like no I know what you mean you feel like it was worth that time was worth it or would you if you could do it differently would you have done it a different way the education piece and all that that's so hard because I have a few different you know I go back and forth to this first of all I went to the conservatory and met some really great people that I would have not known had I not gone there so um, you know, some great friends, but one of my best friends, one of my best friends, still, and one of my creative partners I would have never met had I not gone to school. And I had some growing up too as well, because, you know, I was, we were pretty sheltered going to Nazareth Academy, you know, we're just a sheltered, yes. all girls school, you know. <laughs> yes, I do know. Very, yes. <laughs> not a, you know, I was sheltered at home and that kind of thing. So, the the world experience that I had in terms, uh, and still not a lot because I still was very prudish, but that's fine. That's just who I am. It's okay. So, <laughs> it's not like I partied a whole lot. I just didn't. I was not that girl. But that's um, good. That was <laughs> you know, I still grew up though because I was by myself. I was making my own choices, and all of that kind of stuff was worth it. But then I go through another thing where I say, "Gosh, I wish maybe I would have gone straight to New York." and use the money that I used for, because um, I knew what I wanted to do, so um, that I used for school, which was a lot at the conservatory, and I did get scholarships, but it still was a lot. Um, but maybe if I used that money for coaching and things like that while I was auditioning in New York or in L.A., because a lot of people started really early in L.A. Um, in terms of their career. So I go through that every now and then. I'm like, well, what if I had just gone straight? But, but that wasn't meant to be. So, yes. um, and I would have had the education that I had at the conservatory had I not just gone straight into the business. Um, so, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. And we can always say, would it have been different if I, yeah, it probably would have been different. I don't know what that would have entailed. But, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. It was, it was it happened the way it was supposed to happen. Yeah. And it sounds like it's a valid choice for those of us who need to grow up a little first before we hit the road, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause I can't, I can't imagine what would have happened had I thought, Oh, I can't, I can't like gone straight to New York. I, I grew up a, a bit in those four years more than a bit, but you know, I matured and I was on my own. I was making my own decisions and I, you know, came in when I, you know, that is simple stuff, nothing um, big, but just a simple thing of, waking up and making myself go to class when I needed to and and fixing my own food and making my own choices, but uh, but still in a secured environment. Right. Had I gone to New York by myself and, oh, I don't know. I, I Some people could do that and some people do, but I don't think I would have been very good at it because I did. I was so naive 
um, yeah. Yeah. Well, now that, um, so that was a long time ago, obviously, and you've been in the, you've been in the business a long time and you've been in LA for, it sounds like, um, like 14 years now, approximately. Yeah, since 2000. Yeah, about that. 2002. And there was yeah. a few few years in there where I was shooting a show in Connecticut, so we were gone for like two and a half years, mm-hmm. and then we came back. Um, but yeah. Okay. It's been a while. So how um, what were your expectations then, uh, for what you were hoping to achieve when you went out there, and how have you? How have you, there's two questions, but how have you sort of maintained that steady pace of like, you know, this idea of, we are always saying how this business is a marathon, it's not a sprint, you know, so it's not about, mm-hmm. you know, this overnight thing, but you have to, this is a life and a lifestyle. So, right. so yeah, what, what, what were your expectations then and, and what have you learned since then? Well, my expectations, um, you know, I, I, I have to be honest, I don't know if I had them. I, I, I was even still kind of naive during that time. For me, it was just like, let's go to LA, yeah, let's do that, and, and I'll start auditioning, and then I'll work, and that <laughs> happened. So I guess that's my expectations were, you know, I'll, I'll audition, and I'll, and I'll get jobs, and that happened, um, but I... I where I guess where did I see myself now then I guess did I say that right <laughs> where would I have to I don't know you know what I mean like, yes. I don't know I, I guess the only thing that I I feel like that I haven't that I want that I haven't accomplished yet and I actually know all the reasons why and it's and now I guess I'll talk about that in a second but you know I want really incredible work just like I pick up that script and I'm like, oh my goodness, this I want to play and I want to be able to experience this person's life in this, in this, you know, in this kind of series or 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 film. And and I want my Oscar. I want you know, like of course I have my like a fake Oscar here at the house that I look at and right. I, and you know I see myself saying my speech or whatever. Just that kind of work, that kind of Oscar work. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. Because that's a whole other conversation too, in terms of even what's going on today with the the, the idea of a boycotting the Oscar type thing. Yes. For me, I, I think the conversation needs to be had before the Oscars. I think the issue is we we everybody, black, white, Latino, Asian, Native American, whomever is in this business, we need that really great work that that those great scripts and those great producers and I think that's the, that's where we need to have the conversation not about the Oscars because I think a lot of the people that are um, the, the nominations are great and I think a lot of people didn't get um, acknowledgement black, white, Latin, Native Americans a lot of um, people didn't so anyway so I think that the conversation needs to happen before the Oscars like where are those roles for all ethnicities to to um those Oscar roles, if that makes any sense. Yes. yes. Um, so for me, for me, uh, I think that's where I'm, I'm, I'm not scared, but I, I want that. I want to be able to have those opportunities like every other actor for those kinds of roles. So that's where I want to see myself right now. And, I, and I'm still searching for that. 
Yeah. Um, so I, I guess. Am I where I want to be? Mm-hmm. Oh no, I was going to say I don't think I I asked that other question um, as well as I could have, but so so with that level of want, um, which I think yes. even if we're not even living in L.A., you know, all of us as artists have that. That seems like the pinnacle, you know. Um, yes, absolutely. That, and that quality of work to that quality of opportunity. Um, but, but again, with this idea of it's a marathon, not a sprint, how we already talked about staying positive, but just in general, how do you just maintain the life and the lifestyle and, and not, um, not acknowledge or give energy to those thoughts of like giving up or would it be easier to go home and do this or where is home anymore? Or, you know, the, the things that we all sometimes will come up for us, you know? Yeah, I think there's, I have to be honest about one thing. I, my husband, we've been together, you know, 20 years. And, and for me, that's huge. For uh, He's been such a, a um, uh, what's the word? Um, oh my gosh, my brain. Like a, uh, <laughs> like a grounding, a grounding force. Yes, grounding, yeah. but also grounding, absolutely. And, and support, thank you. Supportive um, husband. Where I honestly I couldn't do anything else. Like seriously, <laughs> um, I really couldn't. Like I, I and I haven't. I haven't had to do anything else in my life but what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I really I couldn't. You know, I could teach. Now I could do that, and I've even thought about that because I just want the actors to be really great. And sometimes I'll go to you know audit a class and just see where the actors are, and I'm like frustrated because I want them to get better training so um i could teach that's something i could totally do and and have have um thought about it to be honest just even as i'm working to teach um i couldn't do anything else so that limits me anyway and i wouldn't and i say that because i I couldn't meaning i couldn't of course i could because we're women and we can do anything and (laughs) and we're you know we're smart women we can do anything what i mean is i can't because it's it's in my bones. Like, I cannot not do what I do. Yeah. And so that means that if you can't, that means you have to make a way to do it, right? So sometimes people feel like, well, I can do this other thing, and it keeps you from being 100% um, dedicated to your art because you are like, well, I, I'll be fine if I if I did this. And there's nothing wrong with that now. There's nothing wrong with someone having making that choice. And I had a lot of friends who made choices to go do something else or great at what they did, but they needed stability in their lives. And this job is not that. They needed stability and they would be happy doing something else, although they could do this as well. So this is no judgment on people that make a decision to do something else. But you ask me what keeps me going and it's because I don't want to do anything else. Hmm. And so therefore, I have to commit to this to this um, this art, and with that commitment, you're going to get rewarded in some way. You know, you work hard enough, you will get rewarded. Um, and so that keeps me going because I won't do anything. I should say I will not do anything else. This is this is my calling, and this is what I will do. That's the end of episode nine, featuring part one of my interview with Keisha Sharp. I hope you enjoyed it, and you'll come back next week for part two. And I just want to clarify a couple of things. First of all, when I said that I didn't know that theater and acting was a job, I mean, obviously, I knew that there were performers that were paid to do things, television people, film people paid to do what they did. I guess what I really meant is it never occurred to me that it was something I could pursue. 
that I could do, almost like that I was allowed to do, that I had permission to do, that it was within the realm of possibility for my life when at that time, when I was 17 years old. So yeah, I just don't want anybody thinking, you know, I'm a total idiot. But anyway, so now we've clarified that. I also just want to say, gosh, I love that final statement that Keisha gives in this part one. And and we get into a lot more great stuff in part two. So please come back next week. But she said, I will not do anything else. This is my calling. And this is what I will do. Beautiful. Remember to tell your friends about Living the Dream Acting, the podcast, livingthedreamacting.com. And don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Artist Dreams. I'm Christina Kipper, and thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to Living the Dream Acting, the podcast. Have questions or a story you'd like to share? We'd love to hear from you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit our website at livingthedreamacting.com.